0: From now on, whenever you guys are out playing in the wild, if you don't say it like that, I'm going to be really disappointed.
1: Incoming transmission. Engage house party protocol. Mark 4, powering up. Mark 17, powering up. Mark 44. Powering up. All suits are online. Welcome to House
0: Party Protocol. Power up suits and welcome into another episode of House Party Protocol. My name is Will and with me today is the one and only Aaron from Web Warriors Protocols. What's happening, my man?
2: Not too much. I'm good.
0: Good to hear it. And also, John, what's going on, bud?
1: Uh, not a lot at the minute, just rocking out ready to podcast and geek out a little bit.
0: I love it, I love it. That's what we're here to do, and I'm really excited for this episode, because we got a lot to talk about, and Aaron, you've been having some events recently. You recently TO'd an event, and you also played in, and I think won the event, right?
2: Yeah, so uh, in the last two weeks, we had the event Element, which is the biggest Marvel event there's been, which was, like, 56 people. Ooh. Um I went 4 0 at that. Then this Saturday, I just gone, I ran the first Illuminati Invitationals, which went really, really well. Um, and then on Sunday, I went to Fear in the Dark Dimension at Boards and Swords and won that one as well. So it's been a busy two weeks.
0: Nice, nice. So, John, I've got to ask you did you play in the tournament that Aaron ran? Were you invited to the Invitational?
1: I did get invited to the invitation. I was going to lie and say no, but I did. Um, (laughs) But it was my son's birthday weekend, so unfortunately I've got family to see and things to do and treetop climbing to go and get done. So I did those instead.
0: I respect that. No, I totally, yeah, family first all the way. But uh, I was going to ask how Aaron was as a TO from a player's perspective, but I guess I'll just have to ask somebody else. Yeah,
1: I mean, I've heard nothing but bad things, so, I mean, we can go <laughs> on with that until uh, somebody says otherwise. Yeah, yeah there
0: sure. you go. Yeah, so, Aaron, I've heard all these terrible horror stories about you as a TO. Tell us about that.
2: <laughs> I'm kidding. I it's been crazy. Beating the players, threatening them if they didn't finish rounds on time. It was eventful. Uh, it was eventful. Um, when you
1: made someone use a stick sided die that I think the problems really Yeah,
2: that, that was probably the worst.
0: Oh, what happened now?
2: Oh, well, <laughs> instead of using D8s for the whole event, we used D6s, obviously. Mm, yeah, oh, yeah, massive? I mean...
0: That well, just makes sense. You want to you want to limit the variance, definitely, definitely.
2: We exactly. <laughs> were just gonna flip coins for everything.
0: Fifty-fifty <laughs> every time. Yeah, Helios laser bombardment either hits you for twenty damage or for no damage.
2: Exactly. so I'll, I'll, I'll say you are familiar with it.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So, no, that's awesome. And uh, how do you feel like that uh, you performed overall, and how how did your roster? You feel like you performed in these events? I mean, obviously, you did very well, but uh, was there any kind of moments where you felt like that you were maybe a little bit behind or something that you had to kind of use a unique kind of way to think about things to get out of it
2: um i think overall it was all pretty smooth running so i've taken out killmonger from a roster and put carnage in Uh, because you know all this spam spam the red symbiote loves it do you know what i
0: mean oh yeah i've ran into it uh, a couple of times
2: (laughs) yeah but other than that i haven't the the one interesting thing is I've stopped using Corvus and Proxima. Um in my last two in these two events where I went four and out both. I only used Corvus once. So I used Proxima a little bit on our own, but I haven't used Corvus in anything other than the one game.
0: Yeah, so do you feel like that you'll be taking Corvus out of your list at any point?
2: Um I don't think so. It's more just to get more just to experiment with the other aspects of the Web Warrior roster and to make sure that if he gets hugely nerfed by AMG, I'm prepared to possibly swap him out for something else. Well, <laughs> right. I'm hoping that he stays pretty similar. I, don't, I I know some people like John, think he's a bit of a negative play experience. I don't think he's overly unbalanced, though, if I'm being genuinely honest. So it'll be interesting to see.
0: That's an interesting thought. So, John, why do you feel like that Corvus is a negative play experience?
2: I don't think it's
1: necessarily Corvus on his own. Mm -hmm. I think it's the combination of Corvus with the reality gem and then the selection of scenario. I think sometimes you can see him, he turns up, he's opposite you. You know you play in scrolls and like your opponent's got priority and you're just like, I know what he's going to do. He's going to rock up to the middle. He's going to roll some dice. He's going to roll a skull. He's going to get the scroll. And then I'm in trouble for the rest of the game because he's got that invulnerability. He's moving around. He's generating tons of power. He's gonna smash me, Proxima's gonna husband and wife off it, they're gonna come in. It just becomes I know there's ways to deal with it, but it just becomes very much like if he picks up that scroll because that reality gem also counts on Interacts, it just gets a little bit messy.
0: Yeah, I agree with you there. I don't think that Corvus in a vacuum is a negative play experience. I can but when you layer all the other things into the experience of playing against someone who's running a Corvus that's when things get a little murky into that NPE territory. But I definitely think that AMG could maybe do something to him, but I think that he's one of those interesting characters that if you just do something to the reality gem, which we heard from an interview that Will Schick did, that it sounds like the reality gem's getting changed as well as the time gem and the space gem, I think. So.
2: actually... I was speaking to Rich. The reality gem, yeah. uh, because Rich is a friend of mine, he was telling me that he was speaking to Will, obviously, a little bit before the interview. Yeah. Uh, the reality gem is almost explicitly going to be staying the same as it is.
0: Okay, so there you go. And I think that's fine, but I think that if you were to change something on Corvus, it'd be that. It'd be some, do something with the reality gem, because just his normal kit, it's borderline five-thread, I think, but like you put that reality gem on him, and it's, like, it's a whole other thing. But... You know, I think he's one of those characters that is a big presence on the board when he's there. He has a lot of impact, and like you said, John, there are ways to deal with him, but when he has that reality gem, he really feels like a five-threat model on the tabletop, the invulnerability, all that stuff. So That's interesting that you uh, didn't use him at all, Aaron, in your list, because I know last time we talked about your list as a whole, you had talked about using him with the husband and wife in Web Warriors quite a bit and uh, sounds like a pretty spicy bit of tech there but uh, I definitely think using Carnage to deal with some of the fun things that are out there right now is kind of the the secret sauce to dealing with Sam and as someone who's played into Carnage with Web Warriors trying to go all wide he works there too
2: (laughs) yeah this is the thing I think Carnage is absolutely great I love him as a character as well which is always amazing because I don't, like I've said before, I don't actually own that many models. Carnage is one of them Um, because he's a symbiote. I've got to have him because symbiote's are what I want. Uh, That's my sort of end goal of symbiote affiliation. So it's been great to have him back in the roster. Killmonger hadn't been seeing that much table time, so I thought it was time to change it around a little bit, especially seeing as we've got the new changes coming up and we might have to change it all around anyway.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting that you like Carnage so much, like, I like Carnage. I see what his role is on the tabletop. I mean, he's a murder machine. That's literally what he does. But I don't think he's great all around. Like, he's not all around great, in my humble opinion. And I think that it's just, like, into the Sam Vengers, you know, Web Warriors kind of play. He's excellent, and he excels so well there. Because, like, if you put him up against someone that has a lot of energy attacks or that has a lot of mystic attacks and they can do these things from a longer range, he's useless, in my opinion. Yeah,
1: like, you he know. sat across the table for me when I played Cable and Cyclops together as, like, father and son, and they just bullied him.
0: Like, exactly. he
1: was just gone.
0: Exactly. And, you know, it's it's nice to, that there is that balance of, like, okay, if you have Carnage in your list and you want to run him into an X-Force, X-Men... Even Defenders, you know, because you can pay to change the attack type. All these different things kind of balance that out in such a really nice way, and I, I really like that a lot. So, yeah, it's just just one of those fun things. And uh, so, John, you said you've had some experience against Carnage with your Cable and Cyclops. Any other games with Carnage that stand out to you?
1: Uh, that's the only time I've come across Carnage on the other side of the table from me. Um, I've seen him played by others. Um And he does look like if he's in the right place at the right time, he's going to go off. He's going to go mad. He's going to do exactly what he should do. But as I say, I've also seen him just fall over because he's been misplaced or he's been activated at the wrong time and somebody's rocked up with an energy attack and he's he's just crumbled. Mm -hmm. It seems like he takes a bit of work to get him to properly kick off, but when he does, he definitely does what he needs to be doing.
0: Absolutely. So speaking of Carnage, I want to pivot now and talk about the upcoming tournament that we have here locally and talk about kind of my list and a little bit of thought process on that. And the reason why I want to pivot off of the Carnage discussion is because it is, I think, relevant to why I put some certain things in the list here. So, what I did here was, I started with kind of a Web Warriors list, and we've got confirmation that Midnight Suns is releasing, well, Blade, Dormammu, Moon Knight, are releasing the day before the tournament, which is gonna be legal. Based on the rules. So I really wanted to play Amazing Spider Man in a list and add in Moon Knight, right? Like those two were kind of the ones I haven't really had a lot of run with in terms of a big event yet. And so the main roster is as such Amazing Spider Man, Black Cat, Blade, Ghost Spider, Iron Fist, Moon Knight, Miles Morales, Venom, Doctor Strange. And Okoye. so that's the the main one there, and the idea is to run web warriors as much as possible. But the reason why this is relevant to Carnage is if I go up against a CS or foes that has a Carnage in it, or any any list that has a potential for Carnage <laughs> pun intended, uh-huh. I feel like pivoting to Midnight Suns will be a better play into something like that. What do y'all think about that?
1: Uh, I think that's a good shout. I think Web Warriors are great. I think they've obviously got that a little bit tankiness with those extra re-rolls and things like that. Their movement speed is good, but I just think Midnight Suns and the additional movement, I think Blade is solid. I think you've got Doctor Strange in there who's great for dealing with somebody like Carnage on the other side of the table with a really low mystic defence and energy defence. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good backup plan to be able to switch across to something. I mean, Iron Fist, we all know the damage Iron Fist is going to do if he can activate within range of Carnage before Carnage can.
0: Oh yeah. Um
1: it, it looks like you've got the tools to deal with. Spider Foes definitely. And Crimson, they're not gonna like Iron Fist. They don't like Strange being able to push from a distance. I think it's a really nice dual affiliation roster, to be fair.
0: Thank you. Uh, Aaron, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I definitely think it's the uh, wise we'll choice to have a backup plan for dealing with characters like Carnage. Um, the, there's quite a few characters now in the game, isn't there, where they've got one defence that is explicitly low. So I just think the defender's leadership is great. Hexing Carnage as well is amazing. So I know we're specifically talking about him here, but just that ability to really shut down his potential for spiky uh, dice when he's rolling size, maximum Carnage and whatnot the mm-hmm. hex is going to be really good blade as well his attacks of i believe are mostly mystic His yeah, oh, yeah. katana's mystic isn't it yeah and i think uh knight of the damp no dembola not yeah yeah so not the damp is a great attack because not only do you get to do a big attack into carnage where i'm pretty sure you get to re-roll everything you also get the medium advance afterwards so say you leave him on a couple of health you're not standing there and then taking the double hit from him you probably be able to move away and then even bump to get some more distance between you.
0: Exactly. And you mentioned defenders and I didn't even plan for this, but I can flex defenders as well. So I guess technically it's a triple affiliation.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I just realized I went off about the defenders. Yeah. That's no, I mean, okay. The leadership's amazing. And the <laughs> defenders leadership's amazing. So I think you've got more than enough answers to characters like Corning should you come up across them.
0: Yeah, I think so too. And it's, one of those interesting things where it's like I didn't build this roster specifically around like oh man I'm going to run into carnage so I need to have a plan but I also built it in with the idea of like just added flexibility because I haven't gotten a lot of like highly competitive games in lately so I kind of wanted to be able to kind of have some different tools at my disposal and you know I'm most familiar with web warriors and my plan is to try to lean into the web warriors a little bit and I kind of want to play some of the cube plays with like amazing Spider-Man, like go grab that middle cube and then be safe kind of stuff like that. Try to try to do that kind of fun stuff a little bit, not necessarily play where I run away the whole time with amazing Spider-Man, but just, you know, get that early, early cube and then jet, you know, I think stuff like that's kind of fun. Yeah. It's hard to catch up from if, Especially in just like anything that has a middle objective, like if you have priority, you can go and get it pretty reliably. And you know, you mentioned Doctor Strange here, and that's another reason why Doctor Strange is in this list is because I have a lot of experience with Doctor Strange as part of my Web Warriors. And so, even if I go with a Web Warriors led squad, like I'm say I'm playing my Web Warriors, well, I can drop Doctor Strange in. And feel good about it in any kind of matchup, really, because again, it's, it's one of those things that I've I've played a lot of with Doctor Strange in that list. So, I'm excited yes, for that.
2: Um, Strange is amazing. Even just his basic, is just really, really useful. He's got the ability to activate someone. The fact that his builder does the push yep. uh, with damage, and the one thing that the web warriors really love because they don't want to be wasting actions on it is the fact they can remove conditions from them and he can remove some damage alongside that.
0: Exactly. That was a big reason why he was in my list for so long. I'm pretty much, I guess, all of season three and maybe it was maybe season three or four of TTS. I, I ran nothing but Web Warriors with Strange. And I mean, he just provides so much value to that squad as a whole, even if he's not crimson banding people or whatever. But the fact that he turns characters that are relatively squishy and relatively dice dependent on defense, like, you know, Miles, uh, Spider-Man. These guys, they they have these spider senses, right? But if the dice just aren't in your favor, adding more dice to the equation is going to help that. So having a character like a Doctor Strange be able to say, "Oh, okay, Miles, you're, here's two more defense dice, and you now get to reroll two of them," you know that that helps so much more in, in general. I mean, any character's going to like two dice. I mean, I think that's obvious. But just in terms of survivability, it just bumps that survivability up even more. And again, it's that value play. And then, you know, Strange being able to move people on doing damage or activate people. It's just just value all around, in my humble opinion.
1: Strange is great. Have you got any plans to put Strange alongside Amazing Spider-Man just to double down on the Amazing Spider-Man's tankiness?
0: So... That's a thought. And I think that it just depends on what I'm going up against, right? Like, I personally haven't played against a ton of Sam Spam. I've played a little bit, but I haven't played against a ton of it. And I do think that there is something there in going tall against Sam Spam. I think there's something there, but you've got to play it right and you've got to have kind of the right scenario of. Tallness, if that makes sense, like <laughs> no, you know that, what
1: I mean. It, but it makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like you know, try to be Shack versus like Mugsy Bogues situation. Like let's be that tall. I don't know if y- y'all get that reference or not, but you know, a little NBA a reference it, for those out there.
1: Shack, I get the other one. I'm lost on.
0: Okay, well, you know, Charlotte point guard from way back in the day. You know, all that stuff. So, anyways, I think that on anything less than like seventeen. I probably wouldn't do that. Yeah. But that makes sense. you know, if if we get into higher higher point values, then having even probably going defenders at that point, running strange, amazing Spider-Man and then just figuring it out from there, I think could be really interesting.
1: Yeah, I think there's something to that. It's just about obviously as you said, how it works and what's on the other side of the table.
0: Right. And I actually kind of like that idea. Like I like the idea of like two Potent, you know, really different in how they act, but still very strong models. Like, I really like the two of them, Strange and Amazing Spider Man, into almost anything. Like, I don't think that there's necessarily a hard negative matchup there. Like, I think maybe Black Order, I wouldn't want to do that because losing one of them early would just be a nightmare scenario. But realistically, though, like, you know, playing that into Brotherhood sounds really interesting playing that into any Avengers sounds really interesting because I think what I would want to do here is kind of hold Strange within range three of Amazing Spider-Man, let Amazing Spider-Man go to work, you know, do his do his awesome stuff that he does and then hold him back and, and let him, you know, be within range of Strange for extra defense dice, extra healing and, like, Strange, like you said... Being able to give two defense dice to a character that can subsequently re-roll any number of its defense or dodge dice is just, <laughs> pun intended, amazing.
1: It, it would definitely be something. Playing against Amazing Spider-Man is difficult enough at times in terms of trying to take him down, and then he counters you with witty banter towards the end, and you're having to re-roll a success again. So I, I can only imagine having a couple of extra dice and an ability to heal from Strange within three could cause some right problems
0: exactly exactly aaron do you think that that sounds any kind of interesting is there something there
2: yeah so i think there's definitely some interesting combinations with the fact that strange can buff up his defenses and then spider-man gets to re-roll all of them <laughs> bonkers i mean that's what six physical six energy and five mystic re-rolling everything yeah <laughs> yeah that's yeah. absolutely insane and i think Not only is Spider-Man already an absolute tank, with the combination of that, your opponent's going to have to think about where they're declaring their attacks because through buffing his defenses and witty banter and all of those re-rolls, you're going to struggle to get anything through and do any actual damage to the demise of Spider-Man.
0: So, continuing on, just to kind of finish up the roster discussion here a little bit, is we've got my tactics cards as well. So, I'm definitely kind of leaning more, like I said, to the... Web Warriors side of things, so we've got All Webbed Up, Advanced R&D, Bitter Rivals, because I feel like I can't not take Bitter Rivals at this point, Brace for Impact, Heroes for Hire, Lethal Protector, MedPack, and Siege of Darkness, because that's the Midnight Suns affiliated. It's, it's Wakanda Midnight Forever.
2: Basically. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's, a, it's an amazing card, Siege of Darkness. I was on about um, Siege of Darkness yesterday when I recorded an episode with uh, Omnus Protocols, and we're just saying it's just such a great tactics card when you look at how powerful, you know, the attacks are for the Midnight Suns characters.
0: Exactly. And then uh, let's not even worry about gushing over Ghost Rider anymore, but we're going to and like, yeah, Ghost Rider's like,
2: yes, Siege of Darkness, please. Yes, indeed, <laughs> definitely. Chains of Damnation, you know, giving out the Hex is yeah. insane. On it's the, the basic attack, um, yet alone the fact that it's range three and I believe five dice energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's real spicy being able to uh, use Siege of Darkness, and you're almost given the opportunity to give somebody bleed from uh, Blade, push someone with Strange, someone Hex from Ghost Rider, and then just unleash a flurry of blows with Moon Knot that could potentially stagger someone, so it's really, really interesting.
0: It's really great. So, let me ask you guys this. All right, I'll start with you, Aaron. Looking at what I've got here on this roster... If I get the confirmation that I can use this new Ghost Rider, who do I
2: drop? So I would go straight ahead and say Amazing Spider Man. I know you've said about the Q plays um, turn one, but I think Ghost Rider can definitely do the exact same thing uh, with his updated card, possibly even better because the extra power he'll have per turn. I mean, you can do some real shenanigans where you just uh, move completely out of the way and just cannot be caught.
0: Right. Interesting. What about uh, you, John?
1: i i'd be tempted to potentially drop ghost spider for ghost rider and i know that's controversial because everybody loves ghost spider and gwen is amazing but i'd i don't know i'd be really tempted to try spider-man and strange as we spoke about it, at some point so while spider-man seems like the better drop I'd be too tempted to try it at a high threat value to potentially swap him out for Ghost Rider if that makes sense.
0: No, I get that. I get that. So so my spicy drop, I'm I've been mulling over this a lot.
2: I think it's Dr. Strange. Oh, okay. I, that completely turns it on its head, doesn't it? It does. It, like if look,
0: it changes a lot to drop Dr. Strange out of out of this whole list for someone like Ghost Rider, right? It's I mean it's you completely change your plan but I think that that's really interesting and like you don't have as much control you obviously you know the healing the, the layers like I talked about earlier you lose you lose that like I, I get that but what you get in a character that is just hyper mobile hyper flush with power and really strong offensively Yes. And you, and now, if you get an objective on him, you get to re-roll skulls on defense. I mean, I don't know. I feel like that's really spicy.
1: Yeah, no, there's definitely some play for Ghost Rider, particularly New Ghost Rider uh, in Web Warriors and mm-hmm. plenty
2: of other affiliations, to be honest. Yeah, New Ghost Rider looks nutty. He looks crazy.
1: He
0: looks
2: good. Um, Web Warriors is going to love it. I think it's going to be really hard for an opponent when they attack a character like Miles, for example. Uh, with a physical attack, and he ends up not taking any damage, and then Ghost Rider still gains a power just for the attack. Oh, yeah. Look, like, <laughs> that's one of the best parts about Ghost Rider's new card, the fact that the attack doesn't have to do damage and it can be anywhere on the board. Oh, it doesn't have make... to
0: do da- I thought it had to do damage.
2: No, oh, no, that's why it's insane, because oh. you'll be targeting uh, these webheads, like, say, Venom or Miles or Amazing Spider-Man, for example, you, you don't get any damage through. I'm 99% sure that he still gains the power.
0: Nope. Spirit of Vengeance. After an attack targeting another allied character is resolved. If it dealt damage, this character gains one power. So it still has to deal the damage, but you're not limited to being within range three of the characters, which is what was important.
2: Whoa. Well, that's more dreams for Ghost Rider gone. <laughs> no,
0: no. This is still good. It's still good.
2: No, it's still amazing. Um, there's not that many situations where you'll be attacking. You, you won't be taking damage anyway unless it's something like a weak builder into same miles, right so i think it's still an amazing super part it it's is wonderful. and i'm really looking forward to pairing it with
1: highway to hell and just waiting for magneto to asteroid him himself to the middle of the board and just <laughs> be like i'm flush with power now i'm going to drag you back into that corner then i'm going to long move myself out and i'll see you in round six
2: <laughs> yes
0: <laughs> i it i want that so much
1: <laughs> I want going
0: that to so be much. gross. <laughs> That's awesome. So, last things to talk about on this roster are my crisis selections. So, I've got my secure crisis as Black Order Portals. It's a D shape. The riot spark over extremis, also a D shape. And then, Mutant Madman turns city center into lethal amusement park. So, Mutant Traps is what a lot of us know it as. That's my only push button secure. That's the only one that you have to pay to flip. Um, and the reason why is because if I get that negative matchup or what I perceive as a negative matchup and I need to flex Midnight Suns, like I think Midnight Suns don't love pay to flip, but I, I like them on the D-shaped secures like I like the other guys, but I've been kind of mulling over these secure choices and thinking maybe putting in something like a gamma for if Midnight Suns comes out or something like that instead of Mutant Madman. But like Mutant Madman is not my Midnight Suns secure. It would probably be the Extremis or Black Order portals. But I, I'm i not loving what Mutant Madman does there. What do y'all think? Is that is that something I should reevaluate?
2: I think you should maybe take a look. At replacing Mutant Madman. I take it in my roster. I really like it as an Thank issue. You. The only thing is, if you end up playing it against a team like Criminal Syndicate where you're worried about potentially having a Carnage, they tend to have high physical defense. I mean, Spider Foes, which is the number one place to see Carnage, mm-hmm. they've all got four physical across the board, unless I'm remembering incorrectly, which means they love Mutant Madman because they don't even have to worry about taking you off the objective. With a mod like Carnage with four physical defense source. They, at times, can take it from you, even when you're standing right next to it. So I think it might be worth having a look at different Secure. I mean, it's worth saying the Web Warriors love the D. They absolutely <laughs> they love the D-style uh, deployment, don't they? So you've already got two in there, haven't you, with Riot Sparks and Cosmic Invasion. Yeah. So I really, really like Spider Portals. It is a pay-to-flip. Um, and a lot of people ask me why I take spider portals but when when you're already pushing and throwing around your enemy with all the things the web warriors have access to the fact that they have to then worry about interacting and being placed away as well as that makes it a really good mission for the web heads in my opinion because it just really leverages into that control aspect of the web warriors whereas they don't need to worry too much about being placed too away um, because you're not really going to be interacting with Venom due to the fact it's energy anyway. But Miles can web swing back into the fray. Gwen is very quick, and so is Black Cat. So I really like that as a mission for the webheads.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I like Spider Portals quite a bit as well, and it's the same threat value, so it might yeah. be, I might change that out. What do you think, John?
1: Uh, spider Portals, as we spoke about, makes my Web Warriors list. So I run Cosmic, I do run Bright Sparks, and then I run Spider Portals as my three secures. So if you were to switch it, it would be almost the same as the list that I won with the Web Warriors in terms of secures, and I'm more than happy with that, to be honest.
2: Yeah, John takes a triple D. <laughs>
0: yeah, nothing wrong with that, I think.
2: I get out of <laughs> Why not?
0: <laughs> Why not? Why not? Three Ds is always better than one, right? Indeed. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I might look into changing that out because here's the thing. I think that, again, matchup dependent I want to try to pick Secures, just because that way I can control that shape if I want, you know, because again, Web Warriors is the focus. However, if I'm looking at a bad matchup, that's when I think I want to pick Extracts, and here's my Extracts. It's Hammers, because Hammers, I just think Hammers are fun. It might not be the best for Defenders or Midnight Suns, but I know Web Warriors like it. And then you've got Research Station and Cube Fragments, and Research Station is only here To be that Midnight Suns like let's fight it out kind of mission. And I probably don't need it but I kind of like it. So there you go. What do you think of that, John?
1: I think it's alright to have one in there that you like rather than think is great for your roster. I have no issues with that whatsoever. Um, I think Hammers is Hammers. Everybody loves Hammers. Who doesn't want extra attack dice? Who doesn't want to be holding as many Hammers as possible and rolling as many dice as they possibly can? Um, I think People like Blade, if you run it with Midnight Suns, are really going to benefit from that. Uh, oh, yeah. I think you know, Moon Knight, with his Rapid Fire, he's going to love a hammer. If you can get a hammer or two on him, he's going to go to town. Iron Fist, I mean, not that he really needs more dice, but why not? I I think Hammers is a great choice, to be honest.
0: Yep. And then the cube play is kind of like, that's. I just want to do it. I tried, so this original idea for this list, I had Spider Infected instead of Cubes, and I know that there's an argument to be made out there for running both Cubes and Spider-Infected. That way you get five extracts and you can get one on Amazing Spider-Man or Angela or whatever. But I played that game and I played it into Spider-Foes and it did not go as well as I expected. So that's why I took Spider-Infected out and just went with Cubes. But Aaron, if you run into anything where somebody has both and it's, it's kind of... Have you run into that? Is that something that you would you would think that I'd need to add into here?
2: Um, so Spider Infected is one of my extracts. It is what I played over the weekend a couple of times when I played. Um, I also played Cubes. So quite interestingly, my second game at the tournament, I played um, Spider Infected, and in the fourth game I played Cubes. My problem is with Cubes is that the web Warriors is already at times feel like the living role right on the edge of going down. Mhm. Uh, So they are quite fragile if you get through that initial defensive wall. So say Miles has a bad roll, realistically he does still only have 5 health. I really like Spider Infected for the same reasons that I like Spider Portals, um, the extra pushes and pulls on your opponent, which don't really affect you as much. Um, Cubes is what I was running for a while before I did actually swap it out for Spider Infected, so that's just my opinion on the matter, but I think it does definitely, definitely have a huge impact based on personal preference and play style. I mean, if you feel confident playing cubes rather than spider infective, I'd 100% recommend doing that. Whereas for me, I feel more confident the other way around. So right. I think it's down to player as much as it is down to selection. They're, they're both the five, um, five point extracts. You can do similar plays on both of them with Amazing Spider-Man. Um, in the final against... Chris Shalikam on Sunday, that's actually what he did, so he started up with the cubes with Amazing Spider-Man ceiling in the middle, luckily I already knew that was a thing so what I had done is position so I actually went into his deployment uh, into his side of the board and stole his cube with my first activation which really threw him off Nice. so I think there's definitely some play there, I would in my shoes take Spider-Infected but again, I think it comes down to what you feel comfortable playing
0: yeah, so let's talk about that play of, you know, he went up with Amazing Spider-Man, grabbed the cube, and then probably moved back a little, right? Yeah. All right, so how did you go get his cube on his side?
2: So what I what had I done is, because I, I, I was fully aware of the fact that, you know, Angela and Amazing Spider-Man and any other long-move big base models are able to do that. So I'd set up Proxima on my right, directly opposite his cube, And told on my left, directly opposite his cube. Mm -hmm. So his first play was to run to the middle with Spider-Man, pick up the cube, and then retreat over to the cube on his right, on my right rather, which is opposite Proxima. Mm -hmm. Then due to Proxima's long move, she is able to move straight towards him twice and pick up that point. He did leave her in front of Miles and Miss Marvel. However, with the defensive tech I've got and the fact that using advanced RD, i was instantly able on my next activation to have lifesaver active i felt pretty confident being able to start that cube so it actually turned out that at the end of ram one i was the one with the advantage on the cubes nice so i think if going into it if you know it as long as you've got a long moving model or toad for example who can also do it i think it's not too bad to consider the counterplay of okay you've took the middle one so i'm just going to walk right on over and take one of yours
0: yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing, like we talked about earlier, there's counterplay for everything. And it's just being aware of what you can see and, and what the potential is on the other side of the table. And I fully expect that there will be counterplay if I try to get this off. But I'm okay with that because I think it'll end up ultimately being fun. And I'll take my chances with a uh, whoever comes over to my side of the board and try to whoop their booties.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you can manipulate it a little bit because when you reposition Amazing Spider-Man back in your half, if you leave him a little bit further forward in front of the cube, it means that say Proxima wouldn't have been able to get there. I would have been able to get it on the other side with Toad, but not many people have two models that can get that much distance covered in one round. And again, um, not in sort of a cocky way, but not many people will set up with that plan of a counter so I think it's, it's still a, a really solid player to take the middle point.
0: Yeah, and and that's another thing you got to think about is most people, myself included, are not going to be okay with saying, "Here, let me put this model right in front of your deployment zone." And Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, there there's a that's valid. That's perfectly valid. So, you know, you got to play with what you're comfortable playing with, like you said. So Exactly. Overall, this is this is my list for now. You know, I, like I said, I think I'm going to change out for Spider Portals for Mutant Madman, but other than that, I'm pretty happy with it. I'm really excited to play this list, and like I said, if if we get Ghost Rider before this this, if he becomes legal, I should say, then oh. expect to see the
2: Flamehead in the
0: Webhead mm-hmm. list. <laughs>
2: instead of Strange as well which uh, again is quite interesting
0: I, I don't know if that's where I've settled on but I'm just saying, like that's kind of where my initial thought was, was like I
2: dropped Strange right like it's I don't know who knows
1: you know I think it's a solid list I think you can do quite well with that and yeah, I'm, definitely. I'm interested to hear how it goes
0: yeah I'm excited to play it and, and again so it's it's anyone listening to this that's coming, just be prepared. It's going to be <laughs> mainly Web Warriors-focused, but if you drop some crazy thing into me, well, then I'll probably pivot over to Midnight Suns or Defenders just to throw you for a loop. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm excited. And for those of you that are uh, catching this on a Thursday, and you can still get here to uh, Memphis by uh, Saturday... Uh, Well, we're doing a tournament at the War Room Hobbies. It's uh, Saturday. And you can find all the information on our Facebook page. We've uh, posted links to that. So, make sure to come and check that out if you're able. It should be about a 20-plus person tournament. So, I'm really excited uh, to see everybody out for that and can't wait to get those games in with everyone. And now, uh, gentlemen, so. This doesn't usually happen, but right in the midst of recording, we got a bit of an update from Atomic Mass Games. And it's a pretty big one, and it's kind of relevant <laughs> to what we've yeah, talked about. A little bit. So, uh, Aaron, what kind of update did we get today?
2: So we finally got the Black Order changes. So I already knew these were coming today. However, I expected them to be later on. So we have seen an updated Corvus and Proxima as well as an updated Ebony Maw, and the full versions of the space and time stones.
0: Okay, so let's work a little bit in reverse order, alright? So, yeah. first up That's here we cool. have the time gem, and this one's really interesting. So, the time gem has a threat value of 1 now instead of 2, and for reference, the previous time gem would allow you an extra action on your turn. So one of the popular ways to play the time gem was with Thanos so that he could yeah. basically act like a character and a half. And it was really yeah. potent.
2: That that was the root of the issue with hard muscle, wasn't it? Because some of the plays you could do with Thanos were horrendous to be, let's be honest. <laughs> they yeah. were really, really silly if you'd ever come up against them.
0: So the new time gem, one threat and it has a reactive superpower. It says, time gem for two power so you should spend two power to use this and i think thanos doesn't have to spend the power to use this and and but but the interesting thing is strange can use the time gem also so let's see what happens here when this character is attacking before the calculate success or failure step at the end of the modify dice step of the attack it may use this superpower the attacking and defending characters re-roll all of their attack and defense dice, including skull results. So, basically, it's recalibration matrix on tap. Yeah, yeah. Which hasn't seen a ton of play in since the game was originally coming out, but. When, that game, when this game first came out and Recalibration Matrix, I used it all the time, and it's so great because it's like, oh, crap, I just flubbed this roll. My opponent had this amazing roll. Well, guess what? I'm going to Recalibration Matrix, and we'll let the fates decide. And I really like this. I think this is nice. It's definitely not as strong, but just ask Dr. Strange how much he likes re-rolling all of his dice with skulls. It's pretty wonderful.
1: Yeah, I think that's the thing in it is, I think you're going to find some characters who can make great use of it that can hold the time gem. I think it's going to be useful. I think it minimizes Thanos' overpower on the table at times. He's not going to get three actions. He's not going to be able to do quite so much. But he's still got some thematic control over time in terms of let's rewind this attack and defense and let's go again.
2: I think it's quite a nice change.
0: Yeah, I really like it too. Aaron, what do you think about this? So
2: I was kind of hoping that it would allow... Ele- The attack let the user choose which dice were re rolled, so sort of a a really, really, really super version of recalibration matrix. I see, yeah, that that might have been a little too powerful though. So, I am pretty happy with what we've got. And hopefully, with all of the gems now costing one threat, we might actually see them seeing a little bit more play. Because, I mean, let's be honest, the only gems we really saw were the Soulstone on strange and the reality gem on Corvus. Before that, we hadn't really seen much of the stones and I think that's quite sad when you consider you know the whole epic saga of the uh phase three of the MCU which was based around the gems and how how iconic they are to so many different Marvel fans
0: absolutely and I think that the the users of this stone I think the only two we have are Thanos and strange and I think that Thanos likes this more than strange does but you know Let's think about the reason why the timing is so important on why it's spelled out so explicitly here, because the if you look at the core rule book and you look at the timing of everything, the modified dice step is number nine, and it's players modify their dice, players modify their opponent's dice, right? That's how it, That's how the modified dice step goes, and the time gem now specifically says before the calculate success or failure step and after the end of the modified dice step the attack so basically after spider foes leadership has been done it is this is applies after everything else has happened so after you've done that wild pierce after you've done all the stuff that you can do that's when you play this and i think that that's really the most interesting part about this new gem is that all those cool effects that you're kind of banking on to kind of get that last bit of damage through or to kind of get that last bit of defense, so cover as an example, after you've done all of that stuff, that's when everything gets re-rolled and the fates decide.
1: That's quite nice. Um, I think it's going to counter some of those things. I think it's also going to be like witty banter. So you've re-rolled for your witty banter. My X-Men have gained all their cover and then you're like, well, let's just throw it all back in and let's see what happens. Um, I think Corvus can also hold the time gem. Yeah. Um, I think he might quite like that in some ways. I don't think he'd swap it out for a reality gem, but I think he's going to have some nice fun with that when he's counting his blanks and things like that as well. So you might go, well, you know what? Let's just throw it all back. Exactly. It's positive.
0: And to add to the Corvus discussion, I forgot that he could hold it, but um, I think with new Corvus, like we're about to talk about here in a minute, I think he's really going to like this if he's fishing for certain things.
2: Yep, definitely.
0: So, so I think that, and, and just for reference, for everybody out there listening, we got this drop while we were recording, so this is all extremely spicy, hot, rapid reaction takes, and I definitely think that there is some, some more nuance to some of these things that we'll uncover later, and of course, here at House Party Protocol, we will fill you in on that as we Unlock these things, but uh, spicy hot takes right here. You heard it first. Probably, you know, this is Tuesday, but you're here on Thursday. But you you know, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter.
1: It's pretty close to first, right? It's pretty close to
0: first. It's almost, I'm sure Aaron's got like he's already working on the article right now.
2: (laughs) I'm I'm taking a break recently from articles,
0: yeah. Hey, man, it's all good. I I, I think that uh, you have a future in podcasting. I'm just saying so.
2: (laughs) Maybe. We'll we'll have to see.
0: So, uh, next up we have the Space Gem. So, the the new Infinity Gem Space here. And it's also one threat, because this one used to be two threat as well. So, this is one threat. And it's an active superpower, and it'll cost you two power. Choose this character or another allied character within range three and place it within range two of its current position. This superpower can be used only once per turn. So, the change here is the previous Space Gem could teleport any character range two. Now, I, I think it still had a, a range limitation on it, but this version, it is the character holding the Space Gem or another allied character that's within range three can be teleported range two. This is a, a pretty big nerf to a lot of the Black Order plays. Uh, I noticed, like the the whole tractor beam thing, was predicated on you know doing some some Thanos portals and then all this other stuff. I could be wrong on how the original one was, but let's check that I'll real do- quick.
1: I think the original one is worded the same. I've just pulled it up. Choose this character or another allied character within three, and place it within two. Yeah, the only thing that's changed is the threat value has gone from two to one. Oh.
2: Everything else is diamond space.
0: There you go. So yeah, it's it's. I had never really used it, and I'm I'm thinking of Thanos, his own portal. That's what I'm thinking of.
2: Um, in, built-in portal type thing, aren't yeah. you?
0: So, so this is uh, yeah, just a, a a better threat value. And what all characters could use the space gem? I know Loki's one of them.
1: Loki, Ebony Moore, Thanos. I'm stuck at that point.
0: Yeah, I think that's there's about that
2: it. There's probably another one I forgot, I'm sure. Uh, let's think so. Loki's Thanos. more. Uh I don't think there's any of yeah.
0: yeah, I don't think so either. And with those characters in mind, I don't see Thanos necessarily liking this, but Ebony Maw, like we're about to talk about, I think he really might like this. And then uh, I think Loki kind of likes this too, because... You can kind of either go one of two ways with him. You can go mind gem, space gem. If you go mind gem, you're manipulating the opponent. If you go space gem, you're helping yourself out and your own team. So I think that's really interesting.
2: Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. Uh, we might see, say, the space gem um, strapped to Loki with some Asgardians because being able to reposition 4 using that, it wasn't really viable when it made Loki a six threat, but maybe as a five fret. Having that, that extra little bit of tech with uh, moving around the other Asgardians, making sure you get the, the most out of their activations, that could be really interesting to see.
0: Yeah, I think so too. And it kind of, I, I really think that this gives Loki some really interesting play because the Loki bubble is still a thing and it's still very, 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 very powerful. And being able to kind of keep your own characters within that bubble while moving around and and it's just you have to think about it in a different way to play than we've seen Loki on the table before and as someone who's played a lot of convocation lately having a character that can move people even range too and I'm referring specifically to Clea here this is really nice it's a really nice thing and it allows you to get to objectives and stuff like that quicker than you might think you were able to so just something to think about there.
1: Yeah, I think with Loki being able to potentially move Enchantress to within range one of an opponent character so she hasn't got a waste in action to move and she's just right there to steal and then she can do whatever she needs. I think there's gonna be some really nice play if you strap that onto Loki.
0: Absolutely. So now speaking of the space gem, let's talk about one of its users, and that is the much maligned Ebony Maw. Like when this character first came out, it was he he was cool. But based on the tools we all had in the game at the time, he just didn't make sense, right? Like, he just kind of fell a little bit flat as a five threat. And what we have here now is a very, very interesting character. So, I'm going to hand it over to you guys. And, and John, if you want to talk about kind of what he was before. And then, Aaron, if you want to talk about what he is now.
2: Yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think if we look at it, Ebony Moore was a piece that should have come in. He should have been amazing for Black Order. He should have been sitting around as kind of like a telekinetic powerhouse. Yeah. He was the kind of character he thought was going to do loads, but he didn't really do very much. He had some cool play, but he seemed to always struggle for something, whether it was power, whether it was placement. He was just a little bit soft. Yeah, and, you know, once he got down to his four health on his injured side or his day side, he literally just fell apart in no time at all. Um, Whereas, hopefully, they've done something to fix it. But if we have a look at his top stat line from what he was before, because there may be some changes on that. So, seven health on his healthy side, with Mm -hmm. a medium move, size two, threat five, which is kind of why you wanted something out of him with that high threat value. Yeah, He originally had a physical defense of two, an energy defense of two, and a mystic defense of six, which is solid, and it's kind of what you'd want. Uh, his builder, so to speak, was his Black Tongue, range four, five dice, mystic for zero power. After his attack was resolved, he gained one power, and if he had the, on the wild, he was able to advance the target character short. So it wasn't too bad. It had some nice range. It just kind of that static one power Felt a little bit problematic at times for him. Uh, he had a second one, which was Herald of Doom, which is the one everybody always wanted. It oh, was yeah. the one that you didn't really want going into you either. I remember the first time I played against it, and it felt horrific to get hit with a Herald of Doom. I'm not going to yeah. lie. Herald,
0: Herald of Doom was terrible, because what, is, what was the bad thing about it?
1: Well, the bad thing, we'll, we'll get there, is range four, eight dice for four power. But the really horrific thing was the target character gained zero power. For any damage that was dealt by it yeah so there were occasions i had miles completely ko'd by this a couple of times due to poor placement and he just gained no power mm-hmm. so he'd come back on a downside and he'd have no power apart from the one or two that he'd got on him and he couldn't use half of his kit once he was about to fall down and it was horrific um there was a throw on it on a wild for a character of size two or less and it could have been thrown short and he then had a suite of superpowers that were Decent, but just kind of didn't really help pull him into the upper echelons of a five-threat where he should have been. So he had telekinetic powerhouse. Who saw that coming, right? Right. (laughs) Choose an interactive terrain feature size four within three and throw it long, and it could only be used once per turn for three power. There was absolutely nothing wrong with the throw. The throw is amazing. Size four long is just absolutely mental. Um, He also had mind over matter. So when he was targeted by an attack or would make a dodge roll for two power, he could use his mystic defense instead. Uh, Incredible psychic potential, which is obviously innate. So during the power phase, he would gain an additional two power. And then he also had flight and gem bearer of mind and space.
0: Nice. So you can hear his original kit and see what they were going for. But having the two, two, six defenses and having to pay to get access to that six defense, I think was kind of where he fell the most flat. Because if you're wanting to do the throw, if you're wanting to do Herald of Doom, you've got to save up that power, but then you're leaving this five threat character in an extremely vulnerable position. And like you alluded to, his original version had the 7 stamina on his healthy side and 4 on his injured side, right? Yep, that's correct. Ugh, yeah, so like a worse modok in almost every way. And, and Yeah, yeah. That,
1: I think that was kind of his issue really was he didn't generate power like modok did. He had a throw similar to modok. He had travel the doom which should be great. But because he didn't generate enough power and he was so weak on the the other side, he very quickly just disappeared from kind of like lists in the tabletop, which is a shame because the kit could have been super cool.
0: So, Aaron, after listening to all that, what's changed now?
2: So, just to cover some of the changes, what we'll do is we'll start with his stat line. Um, his stat line is still almost the same, so he's, he's still size 2. He still has a medium move with fret 5. He's 7 stamina. However, his defences are now two, four, six. so we've seen an increase of 2 on his energy defence. I like it. Whilst we're on the subject of basic stats, on his flip side, he now has 6 stamina rather than 4. Yes. Gives him a healthy pool of 13 in total. Nice. Really, really nice. And he no longer has that feeling of, oh God, he's been dazed, he's about to die. He now is still viable on his flip side, and you don't have to worry about babysitting him so much. Absolutely. Um, if we move over to his attacks first, so they are the exact same, except for Black Tongue has been given an extra dice, so it's now a range four, six dice mystic attack. It still only gains you one power, but when we look at his superpowers, you can see why well, this isn't actually so bad anymore.
0: Yeah, no. So I, he
2: still has. Sorry, I'm gonna. I'm sorry, I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm, to gonna
0: I'm gonna interrupt for one second because I think talking about that extra die on Black Tongue is really important because while you're still not in a traditional builder sense, power equal to damage, so you're just gaining one power, having that sixth die on a mystic attack really adds up. And then, when you layer onto the fact that about 60% of the time, you're going to be rolling a wild to get that Sinister Influence to move the target character short, it's an, and it's an advance. So, you advance the target character short, which has a really it's not a push it's an advance and i think that that's really important and is going to go a long way to one either keeping him safe or two moving people into the buzzsaw
2: yes definitely i mean it's it's brutal six dice mystic at range 4 i mean scarlet which is a testimony to that yep. obviously Modoc. she includes goals as well modoclaw um also has range 4 is it he, is, yeah he, his, he was
0: range 4 six dice until they changed him
2: but yeah, bro, until they changed him. But we we've seen how good that was, and the exactly. fact that Ebony Moore now has access to that is incredible. It's going to be really strong. I think yep. six dice with a time
1: gem. Should you choose to go that way, is going to be an absolutely horrific builder. Well, I
0: know he, it's going to cost you two power. But... He can't use the time gem.
2: Oh. I know. <laughs>
0: that <laughs> would have are. been dis- that would have been disgusting.
2: People, people, have to uh, excuse <laughs> yeah. us. These are hot takes, and we are sort of just moving <laughs> through it as we've got it. So Exactly. Um, if we now look at his superpowers, so the first superpower is Telekinetic Powerhouse, which I believe is the exact same as before. It is a free power, size four or less interactive try and feature throw, and you get to throw the try and feature that you can grab from range three, and you throw it long. It can it. only be used per turn, but I think that's pretty understandable when you think about the fact you're essentially throwing five damage at someone. <laughs> who could be quite a considerable distance from you in the first place absolutely we now have a new superpower on his character card which is telekinetic deflection so if this character would suffer a collision it may use his superpower it's a two-power superpower and what this does is this this character does not suffer damage from the collision oh man i love this i think this is insane because you're not getting extra dice for your dodge roll. You're not getting a bonus to your dodge roll or rerolls. You're just taking it completely out of the equation going, you know what? I'm not going to take any damage. And I think that is incredible.
0: Yeah. And let's also talk about the timing of this one because I think it's important. It says, if this character would suffer a collision, it may use a superpower. So as I understand it, you don't actually get to roll your defense dice. Like, you know, say somebody's throwing something size 2 at you and you have your two physical defense dice, I don't think you get to actually roll those physical defense dice before deciding on telekinetic deflection. So you have to commit to telekinetic deflection.
2: I I do believe that indeed you do have to commit to it. Um, However, I think nine times out of ten, it's going to work out better just to do it this way.
0: Absolutely. And so you said this costs two, two power, which is pretty affordable especially and as we mentioned before uh, maybe i'm jumping the gun just to scotch, but he gains two additional power during the power phase still so he has three power per turn to play with so, so
2: yeah. with poison you can't just start off around by throwing something in moore's face because he's just gonna go yeah not today um, and not take any of that damage.
1: And that was previously what you'd do to him once he
2: was on yeah. his injured side. You'd find somebody within a throwing range and you'd just throw something at him and yeah. chip him down to like one health immediately. Yep. yep. I mean, this is a really great superpower and I think um, Moore against Magneto is now going to be very interesting because Moore can take it all day and Magneto can throw it all day. So it's going to be really cool seeing how that works. Um, moving on to his next superpower though, it is the same... In name as it was before, however, it has changed quite significantly. So we have mind over matter. So when an enemy character targets this character with an attack, this character may use its mystic defence regardless of the attack's type, unless the attacking character pays two. So previously, when uh Ebony Moore was targeted, he would pay two himself to use his Mystic Defence instead. Mm-hmm. This was great, but because he was quite power starved, you found that you'd very quickly run out of the power to do this and yeah. suddenly have to eat those big attacks. However, it is now the exact same, I believe, as what um, Enchantress' superpower is. And Mysterio. And Mysterio, sorry. So the attacker has to pay. And I think in early rounds, this is incredible because people just don't have two power spare to be using to ignore this. So it means people are going to seriously struggle to deal with more early on. And I mean, even in the later rounds of the game, when you're down to maybe a couple less characters on the side, if you still have more who's more likely to be sticking around at this point anyway, finding the power to invest to just try and take him down is going to be really difficult.
0: Well, not only that. So you're exactly right. Like that, Finding that extra power, especially because you've got so much other stuff you need to do at times. But even if you have the power, let's say you have someone who's only energy attacks, and they're the only ones that can attack him. You're still rolling into four dice.
2: I did want to jump onto that. So, previously, if he couldn't use the superpower, he, he was kind of in a spot of trouble, regardless if it was physical or energy, because he only had the $2. Now, however, it is the four energy defense dollars, which is still actually really, really good. So, I think you'll have opponents having to weigh up, do they pay the two power just to reduce the amount by $2, dollars, or do they not? Which can be very detrimental to them, and it can actually make playing into it very difficult, because... Sometimes those six dice will spark hugely and sometimes the four dice would have done the job just as well. So I think now to target him with energy attacks is going to be um, quite tricky to decide whether you want to spend the power and invest it into trying to take him down.
0: Exactly. And I mean, let's not forget that he doesn't have any way to manipulate his own dice. So it's just whatever he rolls is what he gets. And we've all been there when we rolled a pile of dice and just, Flubbed it. I mean, the Facebook groups right now are are flooded with pictures of people messing up their spirit bomb. You know, so
2: it happens. It it, you know, it it definitely does. And I think sometimes now with this superpower, your opponent they don't know, they don't know whether it's worth spending the superpower like I said, especially with energy attacks. And just quickly to go a little bit off on tangent. A place where Ebony Maw might fit in really well now is Convocation.
0: Oh my God, Just, I know.
2: Uh, Iron Bounds book. I'm,
0: I'm here for it so hard. <laughs> like, as as someone who's played a, a lot of Convocation lately, like you could legit move New Supreme Strange out of your list and put Ebony Maw in it and not really lose anything. <laughs>
2: I don't think you do, and I think that that's what's really interesting. Especially, like I said, with the Ironbound books, because your, your opponent is then, if they're targeting you with physical, you've got six dice. Targeting you with mystic, you've got six dice. Targeting you with energy, you've got six dice. And even if they pay two, you've still got four. So it's going to be a real grind to try and deal with him on that one um, Ironbound books turn. I think it's going to be a really interesting place to see him popping up in the future.
0: Yeah, and as someone who's played a lot of Convocation lately, like I said, uh, so you mentioned that six dice on the energy, it is not. It's actually only when you're targeted by physical attacks do you get to change to the Mystic defense. Yeah,
2: it's not. It would be six dice due to Ebony Moore's own uh, power, will it? Due to Mind Over Matter.
0: Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, due to Mind Over Matter. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but the fun thing about that is so if you throw out some kind of squishier characters and they die well guess what comes back to be used again the Ironbound books so
2: that's what's going to be really really great yeah i'm kind i'm
0: kind of here for it and yeah i think he's gonna be cool so that's ebony maw and he's kind of the biggest changed character in these ones we're going over here and let's talk real quick because we definitely need to keep it moving Where Other than Convocation Like we said John Where do you see This new version Of Ebony Maw playing Do you think Do you think Black Order Is where he's gonna Fit now Or do you feel like There's somewhere
1: else I think he's still I think you will See him more In Black Order now Because I think he's a much Better More finely tuned Character That can play Into what they do I think he's gonna be Able to murder people Quite easily Quite nicely He's not gonna Fall over He's not got The invulnerability of everybody else, but he's got that six dice unless somebody is willing to pay to reduce it, so he's quite survivable in there. Um, I also think with that wonderful throw and the huge psychic defense that's there constantly unless somebody pays, him and Magneto are going to have a whale of a time (laughs) sharing power, out, throwing stuff around and just murderizing anything that gets within range three or four.
0: That sounds nasty.
2: It doesn't sound fun, but I'm all there to try it.
0: Right, Aaron, what about you? Where do you feel like that the new Maw goes?
2: So, obviously, the first place that always brings to mind for me is with the Webheads. I mean... Me too! dice <laughs> re-rolling one of them on defense. That sounds pretty spicy to me. Um, I think he will see some play in other affiliations, definitely. He is only affiliated for Black Order, so I think the main main place we'll be seeing him pop up is there. Um as John said, Brotherhood, I feel, is going to be quite a good suit. And although they already have quite an expensive core, if you end up playing 16 threat against a Brotherhood list and they bring Magneto, or Scarlet Witch and Ebony more, you're going to have a hard time dealing with Ooh, that.
0: That sounds nasty. Yeah.
2: I think he's going to be really interesting to see where he pops up. I mean, Midnight Suns might be pretty interesting because that extra little movement, letting him get two those 6 dice builders off a turn could be really nasty. Um, Also, to get the long range, uh, the range long throw off could be really brutal. So, I think he's going to be popping up in a few different places. I definitely think most affiliations have a reason to try him out now.
0: I agree with that. I I think that you hit the nail on the head. I think Midnight Suns is a very interesting place for him. And if you look at Midnight Suns, I I think that they're going to be kind of the new, like, well, who doesn't like being here affiliation because. (laughs) I mean, who doesn't like placing within range one to do more fun stuff? I mean, you know, so, but I do think that there's legit play there. And again, I feel like the Midnight Suns is becoming one of the most flexible affiliations that you can run. And they've got a lot of five threats that you can put in there. I mean, Doctor Strange and um, Ghost Rider now, but I think Ebony Maw has play there. One, like you said, two, though, if you want to play not only a heavy damage style, but you can also put him in there and have that sinister influence on his builder to move people around and manipulate the board state a little more and in a little bit, somewhat more of a reliable way than Dr. Strange can, in a sense. It is a little different, but you know, being able to get it about 60% of the time when you're rolling those six dice hitting that wild could feel pretty good, so... Yeah. I think that and there's if, definitely play there.
2: If you've got the space for that extra fret as well with the space stone, oh, yeah. that combined with sinister influence will really be able to help you set up some interesting plays with the rest of the uh, rest of the midnights on this team.
0: Absolutely, and then to your point, also I think Web Warriors certainly like having him in their list too. I mean, you know, Amazing Spider Man is pretty amazing, but like if you want to go for a hard type of control with some really rampy damage. I mean, Ebony Maw is
2: really interesting, so... Right. I think what's worth noting as well, in affiliations like Brotherhood, where they can gain power, you'll be able to move turn one, um, and all you need is that one extra power to do a turn one Herald of Doom on somebody across the board, and yeah. not have to worry about not having the power to boost your own defenses, which all I think is going to be absolutely brutal.
0: Yeah. Uh, that, I didn't even think about the fact that... I mean, you don't even need... Uh, another affiliation to do that, you can just do that with advanced R&D right off the rip.
2: Yeah. And it's it's very, very, very good.
0: Yeah, because being able to do that right away, and uh, to whoever comes, like, we've seen it a million times, somebody comes up and sits there on the middle objective, and they can't move because they, they weren't able to flip the thing, or whatever reason, you know, they had to double move to get there, and being able to move up Herald of Doom, so then they don't get power, and they're potentially dazed.
2: Yeah, this is definitely an interesting play. When you look at, say, Wakanda, for example, and Black Panther and some of the, the uh, objective grabbing he'll be doing for people turn one, I think this hammers home how powerful War might be because can you imagine you're playing against Black Order with your Wakanda and turn one, Ebony Moore moves forward and days Panther. No. Panther <laughs> doesn't And then he John's starts over here like, please don't do that to me. <laughs> starts, yeah, yeah, yeah. Starts turn two with no power over. Um, from the damage that he took on the chin. I think that's horrendous. I think Ebony, Ebony Moore is going to be the bane of people like Iron Fist and Black Panther's existence. And oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm here for it. I'm definitely ready to see that, even though John doesn't seem to be up for it.
0: John, well, I mean, how, how do you feel about this?
2: Well, my defensive
1: bonuses just disappear when he turns up with a mystic and it makes me cry. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't like I've got really bad PTSD, I think, from his old Herald of Dooms.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, wor- it's, be- it's worse now. It's better, but it's worse. <laughs> I,
1: I, that, that bit, I thought i got
2: over it because I never saw him again, but it turns out he's coming back with yeah, vengeance. Yeah, and I think, yeah, I was just about to say, much like Godfroder, he's back with a vengeance indeed.
0: Indeed. And that's what's interesting about this character. Like, he's still a five-threat character, so you still have to, you know, find the room for him in your list. And he's not going to be this ubiquitous five threat but at the same time he's a much more interesting character now and a character that isn't a liability on the tabletop and that you're not gonna even with with decent play like you're, you're gonna get something out of him and i'm yeah, really I excited to see that
2: i think that that term one herald of doom play is gonna be super powerful um and it's definitely gonna be something people will have to watch out for as Ebony more hits the table
0: yeah Absolutely. So now let's talk about uh, the rest of uh, the new Black Order updates. And we've got Proxima Midnight here. And I think there's only one change on her card, right?
2: Yeah, so I could. I think it's sad to say that the only change to her card is the wife of Corvus Glaive now changing to Costa Power.
0: Uh, and be within range three instead of range four.
2: Yeah, correct. And it is within range 3 instead of 4, which is a huge difference.
0: It is. Uh, The difference between range 3 and 4 is pretty significant. Like I don't know in terms of inches, I don't know, or centimeters, I guess, you guys over there.
2: (laughs) Uh, We we use inches here, don't worry. Um, I'm pretty sure that it's a 2-inch difference. It is a 2-inch difference. Range 3 is 6, range 4 is 6. So I I do all my measuring for deployment with a tape measure. It's just a lot easier, so... The range 3 tall is 6 inches, and the range 4 is 8 inches. So that is a loss of 2 inches on uh, the Wife of Corvus glow superpower. Yeah,
0: and the thing I really like about this change. So, one, it's a reactive superpower, and it costs one power. Neither of these characters, uh, Corvus with the Reality Gem generates an extra power, but let's just, Proxima is, like you've mentioned before, kind of an objective runner-style character a lot of times. So you can go grab an objective, and then you could activate wife of corvus glaive and then corvus could activate right well now if you turn one go and try to grab something you're probably not going to have the power without some extra help you know advanced RD, uh leadership whatever you're not going to have that extra power to then activate this superpower and then not only that you have to still be within range three now of corvus which i think the implications of this are huge and also this makes a lot of sense, because that is where Black Order, especially Corvus and Proxima, got so oppressive at times, was just being able to just chain those activations, never losing priority, and trying to get them out of range four of each other was like beating your head against the wall.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that. That was one of the things, about five minutes before we joined you today, we were talking about whether the changes were gonna drop today. and obviously, we've established I don't particularly like Corvus and Proxima on the table opposite me. Um, <laughs> right. But we were talking about whether it should cost the power. That was what I was saying I think would fix it because Proxima can't immediately activate it, as we've just said, if she grabs something. So the the kind of conversation we'd had was put a power on it. It won't feel quite so oppressive then because they've got to spend something to do it rather than it just being a freebie that can just brutalize a character. So, yeah, I mean, you can literally take a Hulk down if he's in the wrong spot for free because you're just chaining back-to-back activations. At least this way, there's a small power cost to it. It's going to kind of require you to be a little bit closer than you were before, so you're not going to sit within range one of two far objectives on the center point and still be within range to activate both of them. It's going to take a little bit more work. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big fan of it, to be honest. Yeah, I think it makes far more sense, gameplay-wise.
0: Absolutely, and I think that this is yet another instance of bringing a decision point into the game for the players, right? And a lot of times it was not a decision at all. If they're within range four of each other, you activate the other one. And now you actively have to make a choice about whether or not the power economy is worth it. And, you know, do you want to do a quantum starburst? We've only got five power you can or or you've only got four power well do you quantum starburst or do you try to save it for wife of corvus or do you try to save a little bit of power for martial prowess and then use wife of corvus? you know any kind of decision point that can come into the game like this i think is valuable and and it it goes a long way to kind of turning down the lever on some of these things right what do you think aaron
2: yeah, I think it definitely reigns it in because, as you've said, it was almost um, the, the only time you wouldn't really activate them both is if you already knew you had priority. Um, other than that, it was a no-brainer to you know go with Corvus and then go with Proximal, or go with Proximal and then go with Corvus. You could sometimes pass up the opportunity mm-hmm. to bait out your opponent a little bit more in the same way you do when you use a pass. But other than that, there was no reason not to go with them both at the same time. And I think... As John said, in the right scenario at the start of a round, even though they are they're quite a distance apart on the board, they could just both go at ones and annihilate a character. So adding a little bit of cost and adding the range free to it is really good. I don't think the range free is a huge nerf personally, um, just because I like to use lifesaver a lot to make sure that they are where I need them to be. I do think, however, it is going to make it a lot easier for enemy uh, a lot easier for enemy teams to keep them out of range of one another. But Proxima still has the ability to place on a spear throw and not to jump the gun, but Corvus still has that medium advance. So I think they'll they'll be okay. I don't think this is an, a, a, a nerf, more as a move sideways. So it, it, it definitely hurts them a little bit, but it's not the end of the world. It's still going to be going off. He's still going to be able to use this. Yeah, it just feels more like a nice rebalance yeah. than a kind of like, let's
1: take the power level down. Yeah, exactly. they're still Absolutely. just as good. It's just going to cost you a little bit of something now rather
2: than it just being attacked on free bit. 100%.
0: 100% on that. Yeah, but
2: ultimately, you still get the same thing. You still get to activate them both. Um, the difference is you don't just get to do it from across the board and for nothing. So I think it's a good change. It, it adds an element of tactical decision-making to the, the activation order that you do with them.
0: Yep. I, I completely agree, and uh, I think it's it's, it's going to be really interesting, and, and you mentioned Corvus, so let's go ahead and talk about him. He has two changes on his card. Everything else is the same, except he now has Husband of Proxima Midnight, a reactive superpower, and it'll cost you one power. Same thing as Proxima. If he's within range three of Proxima, at the end of his activation, he can use the superpower, and the other one gets to activate, so there you go, and I think this is... Like we just said, everything that we said about Proxima, it applies here as well. And the only difference being that Corvus will have access to a gem, and he has more power inherently, so that could be an interesting thing there. And then his other change is to his Death Blow attack. So, it still range three, still seven dice, still four power. After the attack is resolved, this character may advance medium. Still the same. It still has Flurry. After this attack is resolved, this character may make a strike attack. However, the change is the trigger for Flurry is now a wild and a shield. So
2: Yeah. Okay. Well, I think this is a great indication that we we're probably still going to have the same reality gem. Um, I know a lot of people had said, Oh, well, the changes to Flurry won't affect Corvus because he gets crits like nobody's business. Adding the shield is is great and um what it actually does, um, sort of as, as a sideways adjustment, is it rains in a little bit of the potential yep. damage you can do with it because, say, you, you're giving your Corvus rerolls from some kind of source, say, be it X-Force or, or Thanos' leadership, you can't afford to reroll that shield anymore to try and fish out extra damage. You need the shield. And I think that's a really nice little change um, because it is just as difficult for him to get the flurry now. Um even more so, we've needed the shield, and you can't just re roll or get rid of the dice that were in the roll in order to get the flurry because you need that shield. Exactly. So, I think it's a really good change. It's a positive change. You're going to see flurrying a lot less often. Um, it did feel at times that you'd always get it off when all you needed was the one well just because you were rolling seven dice with a probability of at least two crits. So, this change definitely makes it a lot more tame, a lot less likely to go off. I don't know what the exact maths are. Um, I'd assume that it still goes off around seventy percent of the time, and I think that's that's pretty good. That's a decent challenge.
0: Yeah, and I mean it is the spender, so you want it to feel powerful. So I, I'm with you. I think it's you you really nailed it again, Aaron. Like very insightful. Um, I must say, in that it's not so much about the fact that you're not gonna get the flurry. It's more about the fact that. In order to have the flurry, you're limiting the damage from the initial attack by having to, by requiring a shield. And I think that that's just really nice, subtle change that it doesn't nerf Corvus. That's not a nerf to Corvus. It's just a kind of slight balance tweak that's like, okay, this guy is one of the best murder machines in the game, and he's still really good at that. It's just. You know, like you said, we don't want him to do uh, 20 damage to a Hulk all at once.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. I mean, I have literally had that experience. So I played against a friend in an event. Um, he went first with Shield and hit her, uh, Corvus twice, thanks to the Reality Gem and Web War rerolls his survived. Corvus then activated, he had 10 power, and she started with 20 health. In total, I think he rolled 21 damage into her and, and took her out. And I mean, the auto flurry made it very easy to do that. This wasn't even with the aid of Proxima. I think Proxima was across the other side of the board. So I think that is a testimony to just how hard he could hit. And thinking back to, to it now, I'm pretty sure I didn't have the trigger to do those flurries if I needed a shield. I think, as, as I've said, this isn't a huge nerf, more as a sideways change. It, it slightly changes how it operates. The, the difference in it going off isn't mathematically a huge difference just due to the number of dots that you're rolling and assuming the Reality Gem is still the same. So I think it, it's really good. It, it's a positive challenge, definitely.
0: Absolutely. And then, you know, to add the little bit of a layer to this is you've got Glaive's Edge that allows you to count blanks. So now, if you have access to some re-rolls and stuff, you know, you've rolled a load of blanks and a wild, right? Yeah. Well, do you really want to give up a hit to try to get that flurry, I mean, I would say most opportunities, yes, you would want to try to get that flurry because that's net more damage. But at the same time, it's a real decision point. Again, creating a decision point for players, I think, is just—it's just wonderful. So
2: I think that that's where all of the tactics and the strategy comes from. Having these different points where you're forced to make a decision, where you where you're forced to say, "Am I going to reroll? Am I going to use my reactive superpower?" And I think the addition of husband of Proxima being reactive and sort of the the correlation that this has to when you're going to be using your re-rolls is really good and i think it's a positive change especially for the people playing against corvus as well as i was playing with him
0: yep 100 percent. so that's the uh that's the changes to black order so far and i'm definitely most excited to see what ebony maw does and the rest of them just feel so far it all feels good like i don't feel like there's anything that's just busted you know
2: yeah, what's quite interesting is we haven't seen obviously um Fanosy's card, but we also haven't seen Black Dwarf and he is useless. Arguably <laughs> Arguably I think he was worse than Ebony Moore. So it's really interesting in a way that we haven't seen a change to him yet. So so I'm hoping we get it though.
0: Uh you you want I'll tell you something. This is mark my words. I don't think we see a change to Black Dwarf, and you know why? I think we have gotten changes by proxy. And by that, I mean, what was the worst thing that Black Dwarf had to deal with? It was a Shuri across the table. It was uh, the mind gem across the table, right? Like, anyone that could just flat move him out of the picture, right? That was probably the biggest thing against him, right?
1: Yeah, I think
2: that's a fair point. So. And I think limiting the size on some of those may help with that. Yeah, so that does help him definitely, as you said. Um, the changes to throws, pushes, pulls that we'll see with soil restrictions is huge. I do think he's still a tiny bit lackluster, but maybe that's just because he paled in comparison to the likes of Thanos and you know Corvus and Proxima. So it will be interesting.
0: Yeah, and but and that's over... just that's just my take. Is is a, it was a change by proxy in that he's now there's only a handful of things that Can really manipulate size four things now, so like I think that that will ultimately be where he's he might not see more table time because of these changes by proxy. But I also don't think that he's useless.
2: <laughs> no, I think I think maybe useless is a little bit too much, but he definitely did feel a bit of a burden to bring just Absolutely. because, as you've said come up against Shuri and he's back where he started from and it, it, it wasn't a feel good moment at all it, it, it didn't make sense and it's a lot better now than any change
0: exactly so so yeah maybe we'll see some more of those changes uh, maybe not but uh, gentlemen I did want to talk about the ladies do you think we can do this quickly because we are pushing an hour and a half do y'all have time to discuss the ladies or we'll just do a thick boy episode here
1: I've yeah. got time if you have I'm up for it as well.
0: All right. Well, let's try to talk about these femme fatales that got changed back in the middle of October, and we just haven't had an opportunity to kind of change it, because there's been so much coming out that we just haven't had a, a real opportunity to dive into these characters just yet. That sounds weird, but I hope uh, it doesn't come. It's probably only now weirder now, right? <laughs> so
1: fair, I, I hadn't even twigged before, but it's a little weird
0: now. I'm not yeah, going to lie. You're welcome. So... uh we have Valkyrie first and the only change I'm seeing to Valkyrie well, I'm sorry the only there's two changes to Valkyrie here first up Dragon Fang it is still range two still seven dice still three power after this attack is resolved the target character gains the bleed special condition however we have a change to the flurry trigger this one though is a crit and a wild you get the flurry and then can make a strike attack so much like Corvus this is a change, but this one is not as changing of the damage potential that Valkyrie could do as just making the trigger just a little bit harder. So yeah. I, I like the change. I think it makes a lot of sense.
1: I like the change. I think it's going to become a standard flurry change by the looks of where AMG are going with it as well. Yeah. Um, Just to make them a little more difficult to get, I think it's quite nice because the single trigger for a flurry sometimes... Felt like it was an almost
2: guarantee when you're rolling more and more dice? It felt I'm gonna I've never used Valkyrie as I sort of have a thing for not using the, the things that you see popping up everywhere. It felt horrible having <laughs> Valkyrie do a seven dice attack and then a flurry almost every single time she decided to use Dragon Fang. That combined with Warrior of Legend yep. made her an absolute savage for free threat. I mean oh, the yeah. fact that you could bank on almost bank on doing multiple attacks in the one turn for six power you are essentially getting four attacks which is which is bonkers. Oh yeah, because they're all very strong attacks as well. So I really like this change and as John said I think this will be the universal change to flurry unless you're a reality gem bearer where you'll probably need a shield.
0: Yeah, and I think that this is a really nice change, and it's t- to your point, I mean, she was uh, a nut. I mean, anytime you see Valkyrie on their side of the table, you know, oh, Lord, she coming, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so, it's like, I think seeing this change, it's it's not going to really kill your chances of getting a flurry, it's just going to make it to where she's not, she's not hitting so far above her weight class. Like, you still have Warrior of Legend, you still have Charge, and You still have a throw, it's just going to cost you one more. Her throw goes from costing you two power to three power. And I
1: think think that's fine. Yeah, I think that's the best change they've made on her entire card. I think the fact that she can't turn one, just double move and throw somebody off a point and then be like, too late, I'm here now, is just so nice because it had become the go-to Valkyrie play that unless she activated early, there wasn't anything you could do about it. She'd just walk up twice, throw you off, and that was the end of her activation turn one. You were just like, oh.
2: I don't think it was just that. So, well, it was just that, but it was also (laughs) the fact she could just throw every turn and throw characters. I mean, I had a game over the weekend where if Valkyrie was able to, she could have just picked up moles and thrown him into uh, my toad and potentially stopped me from winning the game that turn. Luckily, I was able to manipulate that by using Web Snare and Clint Rage to get Valkyrie the hell out of there. But the fact that she's just got such a good Super online every turn without fail did feel very hard to play against. And as John said, the turn one play with Valkyrie was an almost go-to automatic thing that you would definitely be doing every, every game, because yep. why wouldn't you?
0: Yep. And I mean, we've all been on the receiving end of a Dragonfang flurry throw, like, oh, I need to get this one point of damage through because for whatever reason all these billion dice I just rolled didn't do it. Oh, well now I'm gonna make sure to get that last damage through.
2: <laughs> the Warrior of Legend Dragon Fang didn't do it, and then the strike didn't do it. You better believe her picking you up and throwing you into one of your friends was going to do it. Exactly. And I think for free that just made her a little bit too reliable. Yep. Absolutely with the damage
0: so a a good overall change, but again, like kind of has been the 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 narrative with these changes. This does not feel like a severe negative change. Like it feels like putting a character into their rightful place where they were just a bit above it to begin with.
1: Yes. Yeah, and I think that's fair credit to AMG because they haven't put any changes out at the minute that I've looked at and gone, what? Everything's felt like it's been well thought out it's been well considered it's come out and it's for the best for that character and for the best for the community in the game as a whole is how it feels at the moment i mean bullseye is a great example of that not to jump onto him but the fact that nobody took him he felt a little bit weird and they've gone well we'll reduce this reduce this and now you can have him at threat two is a great choice and i think that's kind of what they've done with everything else so far it's really well thought out and really well considered yeah Yeah.
0: and you know, you mentioned the, the Valkyrie turn one play. I don't want to spend too much time on Valkyrie, but I, I think what we're going to start seeing more, I don't think Valkyrie is going to see a significant less amount of play time. I, I don't think that's going to happen. But what I could see happening now is instead of the turn one move throw, you still could see that with advanced R&D or in A-force, this kind of stuff, but you have to set it up a little more, which I think is good. That's that's a good thing because, again, decision points are you going to put the power yeah. on valkyrie or are you going to put the power on carol danvers so she can go binary you know what i mean like there's just so many different opportunities for change here and i love that but what i could yeah. see outside of those affiliations that give you power and outside of advanced r&d is the move charge kind of really putting her into that role of just damage dealer and and really just doing that instead of like ultra control piece with damage <laughs> you know
1: yeah and that's still not a bad role to have her in no i think she's great. still going to excel at charging and dishing out damage
2: I, I think you know she's still a solid piece i i think she's still great i think i do too what's amazing and credit to all the guys over at amg and will and dallas and everyone that's worked on marvel and the updates is with a lot of game systems like just quickly 40k for example if something is good in 40k it doesn't go back to being balanced it goes to being bad We've seen that recently with the Orc changes. So, everyone was running nine Rooker Truck squid buggies Now, with the new update, you can only run three. So, it's a huge nerf, and and they don't... No, long, no longer do they feel super good. They actually feel kind of bad and not that viable. With AMG, what's, what's pretty great I feel, is that they've toned things down from, say, being an 11 or 12 out of 10 back to being a 9 out of 10, or a 10 out of 10. And it's not to the point where oh now my toys i can't use them now enchantress is useless now courses are useless it's more that okay now they're still really good they still do the same thing but it just feels a little more balanced and a little more fair and there's a little bit more decision making to how you're going to do these things and i think that's what's great about every change we've seen so far
0: absolutely 100 dude i think that that is that you nailed it and speaking of additional changes let's talk about the next femme fatale we have here and that would be enchantress or as those of us that speak normally enchantress um (laughs) so
2: first one
1: you
0: like the enchantress enchant
2: i I think we should dub that an official way to say it
0: (laughs) okay i like it so from now on whenever you guys are out playing in the wild if you don't say it like that i'm gonna be really disappointed I'll never know, but I'm going to be disappointed.
2: It's a thing
1: now. It's a it's thing. thing.
0: Okay. Enchantress. Okay. So we have Enchantress, and she has one big change, and it is to Siren's Call. So this is her version of bow to the will of MODOK, but it's her, you know, Siren's Call. So it'll still cost you two power. However, it can only be done once per turn. Everything else is the same except once per turn.
2: Oh, will! If you haven't already noticed this, you're going to be super happy with the other change that's happened to a character card. So, yes, there is Siren's Call being changed, but a Morris kiss yeah. is now also an action.
0: Yes, sorry, I did overlook that. <laughs> I was I was reading, I'm like, I and I even looked at the other card. I was like, this is the same, except it says that sweet, sweet, sweet word, action.
2: Yeah, and I, I think that is a perfect change for what she needed. Because I can tell you, Enchantress, or however we're saying it now, Enchantress, Enchantress, (laughs) has been the bane of my life. I mean, for anyone that knows about my tournament record, I'm currently at 53 wins, I think, with one loss. And that one loss was centred all around this lovely lady who was just an absolute menace. And there isn't much you could do against the old version of her character because she could stand there, pull you in, steal an objective, push your friends away, and then move twice in the opposite direction. And it was really a a really oppressive experience. These new changes, both to Siren Squall and Amorous Kiss, feel really, really good. She can no longer steal an objective and move twice away. And I think that was a problem as a result of the fact she could pull you in to steal it. Mm -hmm. So, So now that there's a limit to these things and it doesn't feel as ridiculous, she feels a lot more balanced and a lot fairer for a full fat character.
0: Yeah, she does. And I think that this is an instance of a character that was overtuned, but not in like an obvious way originally. And when we look at this here, this is a pretty big nerf to this character. And I use the word nerf in, in context, right? From what she was doing to what she's now gonna be doing. She is by no means useless uh that is 100% not what I mean here but what I mean well is you as an enchantress player like you just said right before it was move you in steal your shit and then move all your friends away and then run away and while also damaging them with a five dice beam at some point you know what I mean like you could there, there were so many ways to get just maximum power and maximum efficiency out of her that it just and there was and it was hardly ever an opportunity to do anything back. So this change here, I think, to your point, if you're gonna beam someone and and try to get that extra power, well, that's one of your actions, and then you have to stand there after taking an objective too. you know, so I, I think that this really kind of brings her in line, but it doesn't bring her to the point of of unplayability or anything like that. It just means that, Now, dice are going to play a bigger part in her game, which I think is ultimately a good thing and ultimately kind of the point of MCP in in general.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, I think it adds a more point about you trying to work out when you can steal and who you steal from potentially as well. Because as we said, now it's an action. She's not got those two moves. So it might be that you have to consider, do you take it from somebody out wide? Do you look at maybe not doing it as early as you could because she's going to be in an awkward spot? I think there's some potential play with moving her in with Loki and his newfound abilities. You could potentially set the two of them up to move her somewhere so she can still move somebody off and then still move back so you've still got some distance. I think it's going to open up some more play for her and for some other people that's just different and probably more engaging for everybody else.
0: Absolutely. And, And I think that that is really where it is, is now we had this... Seemingly, you know, the book of Enchantress had been written, but now we, we've made it. We've made a new chapter into that book, or maybe we made the sequel. And I think she's still good, but now we really have to kind of figure out what she is again on the tabletop, because I don't that's think it. it's as obvious now.
2: And again, as you've said, it is all around having to make new tactical decisions, and that's what's great because they're not nerves that just make you go, okay, I'm not going to be able to do this. They make you go, okay, I can still do this, but I've got to set it up a little better. Yeah, I can still do this, but I might need help from, say, Loki. And I think that, that's what's great. You, you still have the power to be that huge, amazing, impactful character on the table that Enchantress has been in the past. The difference is now you have, to f- you have to work for it a little bit more, and I think that rewards you, but it also gives your opponent a sort of justification for why they might, still she's a little overpowered because you, you're having to set it up and i think it's a great change
0: yeah absolutely i 100 percent agree with it so the other ultimate control piece that we had of these these trifecta of lovely ladies here is medusa and she also has some pretty significant changes here but I think it's just to Braid Bash, if I'm reading this right. Like, I don't see any other changes, anything except Braid Bash. So, you know, go familiarize yourself with Medusa's card. I'm not going to read everything here. But Braid Bash, now. It's still range three, still five dice. Uh, Power equal to damage dealt. Wild push, if the target character is size three or less, before damage is dealt, may push the character away short. Or may push the character short. Not away, just push the character short. And then, similar to Valkyrie, crit... And wild flurry to get her to do another braid bash attack. So basically, what would the kind of the pattern before was you could nest up pushes onto someone, and you can still do that. It's just harder to get those flurries off, which I really so.
2: Like. I, I think um, sorry, what you might miss will unless I'm mistaken. Actually, um, the timing itself of the pushes changed. So it's before damage is dealt now. Oh, yeah, it is. Look at that. So if you're using the push, you've got to use it there and then. So yeah. then say you get what what you need for the flurry, you're not stacking the push. And I think that was possibly the worst part of Enchantress, the yeah. fact that she'd hit you twice and then push you twice. You it just felt silly. Yeah. It didn't really fit the timing of the game. It was a, a very odd standalone... Um, Issue that we'd only seen with Enchantress because it Medusa. Uh, with Medusa rather because it felt weird, it didn't make sense. And the timing being changed to before damaged out fixes that. It's not a huge change, um, it's not a change that is massively confusing. It just seems, in my opinion, at least. To clarify things to how they should have always been,
0: right? And to your point, I I completely overlooked it as I was reading it. Even i I know I read it right, but it's like, you know, before you're right but the before damage is dealt thing, and so the the like I said the previous pattern of nesting the pushes. Now it is well if you're at that range three and you want to push someone away, and you do have the flurry trigger, you got to make a choice about
1: yeah. And I think that's what's nice about this, whereas before, there was no choice in it. You just sat at range three, and you went, oh, there's a flurry, I'll do it again. We'll push you away twice short. Now, that might not be an option, because if you do want that second attack, and you're looking for a daze, you can't push them away if you sat at the end of range three. Exactly. I, I think that is a really nice move.
0: Yeah, I agree. And then making the flurry just that tiny bit more difficult to get, I I think is really great. And, I mean... Five dice, I think it's you're going to have it crit and wild probably about 30% of the time, I think is how that math works out.
2: I like well, that. You do get the reroll, so I think it is slightly uh, yeah, closer to being 40% or maybe 45% of the time. Um, quite interestingly, I was going to say, I don't know if she needed to have the additional change to the flurry, because the worst part was just the push. I think it's a good change overall. I'm happy with it. Um, but, yeah, I don't know if they the needed to add that in addition, but seeing as a universal change to that, Flurry anyway, it makes sense. Yeah, and I I'm think that's why it's that.
1: coming. in. I think exactly. if they
2: leave that one with just a single trigger, you're suddenly going to get people going, yeah. well,
1: why is Corvus? No need exactly. to. Exactly.
2: You, is- you open up doors to possible situations in the future that don't make sense. Oh, I think it's a great change. Oh, I think she feels a lot more time because, for me, although Enchantress was crazy good, she was crazy good because of all the different things she could do. Medusa was just insane because it didn't really make sense. Do you know what I mean?
0: Oh yeah, no. Well, all of a sudden you're standing there at range three, and then you have two braid bash or four, sorry, four braid bash attacks on you, and and you've just moved all over the place. You know what I mean? Like it just it could get out of control.
2: Because yeah, and it often did. Yeah, <laughs> because I'm pretty sure a push had any direction as well it did and it still uh,
0: does and that's fine
2: it's fine but it's not stupid and that's exactly. the main thing because before you could braid bash so if, if they started in range three you could braid bash with the flurry the first time to move them t- towards you and then past you and then use the second braid bash to carry on moving them past you and then move them even further away the amount of distance you'd move them across was stupid and if you, if you were able to do it it, it felt silly oh yeah I, i'm glad it's been changed for this
0: i am too i am too john what do you think about this one
1: i think it's a really solid change i think i mean i always quite enjoyed trying to work out what you could do with medusas nested pushes there were times i managed to hit somebody twice and then push them behind size 3 terrain so that they were well out of the way and couldn't see anybody which was hilarious but massively Not really in the spirit of how it should work because they couldn't do anything to get back over. Um, But it was fun to work out what you could do with it. But the fact that it was so fun to see how you could break it meant there was fundamentally an issue with it. So I think bringing it into line is a really, really nice fix.
0: Absolutely. So, yeah, I think all of these changes, everything we've talked about on this show from a, a card change perspective today. So extra beefy thick boy, we've been eating our Wheaties episode over here is finally coming to an end but the final thing I'll say about all these characters is everything feels right now the ultimate test for all of this stuff will be on the tabletop right but I definitely feel like that there's there's nothing here that screams you know hard nerf I think the closest thing to a nerf is what they did in Enchantress but I do not think that that again is any kind of a a negative thing it's just someone that we talked about things being tuned up to a a 12 back down to a nine or a 10. I think this is someone that was tuned up to about a 15 bringing brought back down to a 10. You know what I'm saying? She
2: was really stupid. I mean, I know we've talked about it a lot. I know it's a long episode, but some of the things she can do, they just made you want to throw her at the wall playing against her. She was so annoying and so obnoxious at times.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I mentioned this in one of the last episodes I did where, Calling something a meta in this game, I feel like, is difficult for me. I understand that every local scene has their own overall, quote unquote, meta, but then you've got kind of like saying that in the broad competitive community that there was a meta. Like, I really shied away from calling that, right? And part of the reason was because, like, there's so much diversity in this game and everything within a certain spectrum has a chance, right? But we were getting to the point recently over the last few months where it was just like if you didn't have enchantress in your list, you you were at a disadvantage. And Yeah, definitely. You know, so I think making it again back to that where you don't have a clearly defined meta game is a good thing.
2: Yeah, I mean, all 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 toft it out I never took Valkyrie, Koei or Enchantress, but to be honest, I felt the impact of not doing that. And it, I, it maybe, I think, put me at a slight disadvantage. Yeah. Now that they've been changed, I no longer feel there is any disadvantage. It feels fair. It feels like we're equal. And likewise, I've had a change to Markovas as well, which I don't think is bad in any way at all. I think it's definitely the right move for the game. It, it's, it's healthy. And as you said, it was a meta. I mean, I'm not entirely sure what the stats were exactly but i'm pretty sure every game it where because i've been to a lot of events i've been to 15 events i think um and i've been in the final for 14 of them or 13 of them and i'm pretty sure every single one of them final games where she was available in Jantris was either on the team or in the roster so yeah. she was just everywhere
0: yeah and i mean i've been to events and I've seen, you know, the TTS and, and all this stuff and this, the conversation around everything. And like, you know, it was getting, getting to a point where people running unaffiliated, it, which is not a bad thing. Like I don't, I don't want to poo poo anybody for running unaffiliated. I actually have been toying with an unaffiliated thing, but for different reasons, but running unaffiliated, as long as you had Enchantress, Medusa and Valkyrie, like yeah,
2: you're not wrong. Uh, that's the thing. you it, it was more-
0: you're and you're advantaged right there. You know, so like I don't think that's a bad thing to say unaffiliated. But again, I think that maybe we this gets into assigning a tent. But I think the spirit of the game is that a team of characters coming together to do a thing, and the leaderships need to be impactful enough to where you don't want to be without them. And, yeah,
1: uh, yeah, I'd agree with that entirely.
0: So yeah, just 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 an interesting change, and I don't think unaffiliated is is going to go away. I just think that it's going to be a different way to look at it now. And these characters are not going away. Like you're still going to see a ton of Enchantress. You're still going to see a ton of Medusa. It's just you might see them in some different contexts now.
2: Like you said, though, the the big problem was is there was this rather a better nine fret core than. Valkyrie Akoye and Enchantress and that's not good for the game because that's affiliated I mean I suppose you could say A-Force but it doesn't have a leader so like you said the whole point of this game I think is to bring miniatures together in a way that forms teams and affiliations and now with that no longer being the go-to best nine threat combination in the game um, as the core roster I think that the game's a lot better It'll, it'll thrive off the back of this more than it already is which is incredible
0: yep completely agree and uh, just just a little spoiler alert behind the curtain here I'm I'm toying just, just toying with this the idea of an unaffiliated roster that is nothing but long movers and then I'm also toying with one that's nothing but people with stealth so,
2: so I think the beauty of that is web warriors love that exactly. I've had a match where for example I've said I, I, I don't know if I've mentioned it on here before Put 14 fret sword buys, and you bring Miles, Black Cat, Moon Knight, Mystique, and Core Box Widow. They've all got stealth. You know, Black Cat and Widow have long moves. So you can always swap it out and instead do the long move, which is Miles, Black Cat, Gwen, Zemo, mm-hmm. and with, And now you suddenly got an- another affiliated team where four of them have long moves. And you've still got an affiliation bonus, which is great.
0: Yep. I'm, it's just something I'm playing with it just sounds kind of fun so anyways I'll uh, I'll be uh, debuting that one of these days but uh, with that uh, Aaron where can people find you?
2: So people can find me over at webwarriorprotocols.com there's no spaces no capital letters or anything like that um, that is my website which is the home to my blog I'm also under the same name on Facebook uh, over on Twitter and Instagram you can find me at the 14th Legion the 14th rather underscore Legion um And then on all the Discord servers, including your own, you can find me there as well. as WWP underscore Aaron.
0: And that's A-R-U-N.
1: Yeah.
2: So,
0: yeah, definitely uh, shoot us a message over there. And, uh, John, where can people find you if they want to find – do you want to be found?
1: I mean, I'm difficult to find, so, I mean, I'm just going to leave that there. But I can't be found on your Discord, so I am on the HPP Discord. I'm on the other – discords that tend to be mcp related just as john h with a little picture of naruto and his nine tails fox nice um and i'm also floating around on the facebook pages but i tend to lurk more than anything else and just see what's going on and chip
2: in from time to time john is very much the watcher however i am the one with the ability to communicate to him so if you ever want to reach out to john you can do it through me and i'll make sure he hears whatever it is you have to say
0: there it is love it so Gentlemen, I really appreciate y'all coming on. And for those of you that are interested, you can find us at Pod at gmail.com. Send us an email if you want to talk to us over there. You can send us messages on our Facebook page, very active over there. Also, uh, we'll be doing a, another giveaway here. Once we kind of get what the next sequence of releases is, we'll kind of figure out what our next giveaway is. So, be excited for that. I'm, I'm hopeful. That we can do like an X Men giveaway again, where we've got like Rogue and Colossus and some new characters there. So that'd be super fun. And uh, also come over to our Discord, join our Patreon if you're interested in something like that. It helps support the show and just you know pay for the hosting, pay for the giveaways kind of thing. You can uh, join us for a dollar a month, so twelve bucks a year, or you can come over at the Mark Five level, get extra bonus entries into our giveaways and stuff like that. And You know, it's a it's a super chill time. We got a really nice group over there, and uh, I I think it's uh we we've got a nice little community that uh, chit chats and shares painting and talks tactics and talks random off topic things too, which is just it's just kind of fun and nice. And I, I really appreciate all the patrons over there. It's it's been wonderful getting to know everybody and and talking to everyone. And I really just massively, 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 massively appreciate the support. Like. I love doing this. I love having these conversations with everybody, and I hope those of you out there have enjoyed the ultra thick boy supreme double loaded taco of episodes that we have here today. So
2: tired of our accent that is That's the main thing. Um, the <laughs> other thing I was gonna say, Will, you might be able to do the first ever giveaway of Daredevil and Bullseye, where people want to take part with Bullseye's new changes. <laughs> That's right.
0: That's right. We'll just we'll just slide them in there and we'll say, hey guys, look, I got a Daredevil Bullseye pack for you. <laughs> So I, mean, yeah. I,
2: mean, he's good. I don't know if they were that good. Yeah, well, I'll, I think I'd still tag him if he were free. Um, so that's the <laughs> main thing at the end of the day.
0: That's it, that's it. Well, yeah, I appreciate y'all, and uh, thanks for listening, Suits. If you really like this episode, make sure to uh, like it on whatever platform you're using if you have that capability. Leave us a review if you have that capability. It would be uh, greatly appreciated. Help us get out there to other... Uh, people looking for Crisis Protocol content, and then additionally, uh, yeah, just spread the good House Party Protocol word. And with that, party on, Aaron.
2: Party on, Matt.
0: Party on, John.
2: Party on, Will.
0: And power down suits.